Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody. This is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me a fascinating man. His name is Stephen Tuick. And I know we're going to have an energetic conversation. Uh, it's early on Monday morning. It's 9 o'clock on Monday. It's, it's the day after Father's Day. Uh, Stephen's also a father. So we've just been catching up on what it's like to be a father. We'll incorporate some of that in this, too. But Stephen is uh, the founder of Mastering Change. He's committed himself to mastering the art of transformation. While he was seeking to heal from the trauma inflicted while he was just a toddler, he was introduced to the practice of shadow work in April of 2000, which led to a lifelong study of what he believes is his path to enlightenment. Uh, He spent a decade working for and studying under the world's leading business and life strategist, Tony Robbins. He he wanted to blend shadow work with business strategy, integration, and implementation. Tony commissioned him to interview over 10,000 business leaders worldwide to determine what made them successful and help thousands transform their businesses to be more productive and strategic. Uh, he's currently uh, studying the impact of shadow work on psychedelic integration. He focuses on bridging the gap between traditional plant medicine and the Western mind, intending to bring the insights and innovation that plant medicine provides to everyone who wants to be who wants more out of their lives. He believes that we are finally on the cusp of proper mental health, which will spur global innovation, and I hope he's right about that. Uh, Stephen is an international speaker. He's traveled worldwide, teaching a blend of strategy, shadow work, and spirituality. He has extensive study in mindfulness, mindset, business optimization, shadow work, and facilitation, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, group dynamics, peak performance, leadership dynamics, and unconscious communications. And through his work, he's formulated a specific framework for understanding the human experience, and he's currently training other guides to spread the practice. So with that, I want to bring in Stephen Tuick. How's it going, brother? Good, Stephen. It's great to it's great to have you here. I was uh, we were just catching up a little bit before we got started. I'm like, I need to hit the record button and capture some that you're you're a fa- fa- uh, fantastic, dynamic person. And I want to uh, really pick your brain today for some of your wisdom. But we we're talking about traumatic experiences, and we, you know, I, I've got through a traumatic experience in my life much later than yours. But you, under, I understand, had a traumatic experience early in your life. And so tell me how that influenced you to, to get into this work. Well, it, it, what I believe, the way, the, the way that I'm understanding the mind works um, 
it, it, it's impacted everything that I've done after that. You know, when I was, um, when I was three years old, my, my stepmother, um, physically tortured me. Uh, my mother was, um, attempted rape on her while she was going to work. And so they cut her hands open. She couldn't take care of, uh, we, at that time she had three kids. And so she, she gave up my youngest sister for adoption to my uncle. And, um, my sister and I went to go live with my, my dad who was married to another woman. And, um, Wow, why is this so heavy all of a sudden? Interesting. Hmm, that's chewy, Brian. So, so you know, I'm three o'clock, I'm three years old. It's pre-verbal, mm-hmm. right? And 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 um, um, you know, I can remember my dad getting up in the morning. Um, I, I distinctly remember this one moment where my dad got up and came out. I was excited. Uh, it was early morning. I remember it being dark, brightish kind of thing. It was like one of those dark moments that I knew that the light was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, he came out he was in a great mood. Give me a hug, buddy. Glad you're here. I remember him complimenting me on the hugs. And then I remember him leaving. Uh, I can remember it was in a basement apartment. Um, cause he had to go up the stairs. I remember he was on a motorcycle. I thought that was really cool at the time. Cause it was really loud. What is this, this contraption kind of thing. And, um, and then I remember him leaving. I remember walking back in the, 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 the um, the screen door closing. Um, and then everything kind of goes dark. I can remember the couch being about here to my waist or to my shoulder, to my chest. I can remember um, vi- visual images of this little one-bedroom apartment that he seemed to be living in, and I don't remember anything else. And um, that's the way I lived most of my life, and just not remembering. And um, then I went through some work where I, I got in touch with what that was. And at three years old, I was physically tortured by my stepmother. She would pull all my hair out. She would beat me. She would starve me. Um, and then she would lock me in the basement. Apparently I looked like my mom and I would sit in there all day. And then she would let me out and she'd say, if you say anything, I'll kill you and your sister, both my oldest sister who was, who was with me. And, um, again, pre-verbal three years old, this is pre, I don't have any language to explain. I can't go to mom and say, mom, I'm being locked in the basement because I don't know how to talk. And, oh, by the way, you'll die if you do. So I'm, I'm completely frozen. Um, when they finally got me away, um, the prevalent theory at the time as a parent, and again, we're all amateur parents. So the, the, prevail, the prevailing idea at the time was, well, don't just don't say anything and, and it'll go away. You know what I mean? So now I'm pre-verbal, so I can't explain it. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm in a situation where the adults have been trained or have been uh, programmed to not say anything. So now there's this feeling of you at any given time, because at three years old, mom and dad are God, at any given time, you could get locked into this basement. So what happens when, when something like this happens, when trauma comes online, there's this, like, some people call it a split. Some people call it, it's kind of like when you go, you know, when you go to the gym and you work out and you get this kink in your muscle, well, our, everything is fractal. Everything is a, a, is a visual representation of something else. So you have your, your, your mental mind and then you have your body mind, your, your physical mind, the physical mind, you get these. Yes. Okay. Well, that would also happen in the mind. So there's this moment in time that you know, and I locked into it. Oh, I'm in the basement. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my mind, what it does is it drops a pin right there. Boom. This does not ever happen to this entity. And then I come, the ego comes online and starts watching for this, like a record player, just running in the background, always watching this point of reference. You know, when in the military, we always, we were always taught when we were on the tank, you want three points of reference. You want your two feet. You always need that third thing just in case something moves you're safe, right? Well, in consciousness, it's much the same way. I've got, now I've got this point of reference where I can make decisions based upon what could happen. 
And my mind, seeing is a believing, believing is seeing. So I walk into a situation and I go, okay, who's trying to trap me? The only problem is now I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm not in Florida. I'm a 40-year-old man, or I'm not in, uh, I'm not in the basement. I'm a 40-year-old man trapped in Florida that's talking to his wife about taxes. But I feel like I'm a three-year-old boy trapped in a basement. And I don't know it. Yeah. Right? This is how most of the world is walking around. They're asleep at the wheel and they don't even know it. They're, they're reliving trauma that, that, they, that they've unconsciously been programmed to avoid. And, it's, and they're recreating that same cycle. The National Science Foundation says 95% of your thoughts are repetitive. You're thinking, thinking that, I mean, just look at your life. You're thinking the same thoughts over and over and over. Well, 80% of them thoughts are negative. Like they're based upon awfulizing attack thoughts, negative bias. Like there's 24 cognitive biases that the mind deals with whenever it's trying to process information. Most of the, most of the time, the mind, the mind is built for meaning, but it's been hijacked for survival. So most of your thoughts are based upon trying to survive some T-Rex that's never going to come. Yeah. Yeah. And mine yeah. was based upon that being trapped in the basement. So, you know, if I told you right now, Brian, to just look around the room, like look around the room just for the couple seconds, look around the room, find a color red. See that if you're on, if you're listening on this, look, look around the room right now, find the color red. Look, 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 red, 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 red. Now keep looking, keep looking. Now close your eyes. How much stuff did you see that was blue? Well, you didn't see anything was blue because you weren't looking for blue. And the mind sees what it, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing, right? So right. your mind sees I, oh, where they try, oh, this person is this. And what's wrong is always available. You know what I mean? So now I've got a hook to lay this, they, we call it a projection in shadow work. We got a hook to lay this projection on. And then I go, well, you just think that so, you know, when I'm coaching a client, be like, well, you think this is going on? Oh, yeah. And they'll give me the reason why they think this is happening. Like, yeah, the reason is true. Typically, it's always true. Like, there's always a hook, though. Right. What's wrong is always available. But so is what's right. Right? But I choose to look for the negative because that's what the, the brain says, survive. 3.5 million years of survive. I mean, most of our life as humans, we were food. Like, on a good day, you got some extra berries. On a bad day, yeah. game over. You know, thanks for playing, right? <laughs> that was like, and it was, it was like that many, many lifetimes. Like, you know, 70, 80, 90 lifetimes before you, the mind that is, that is in Brian, that, that version, version 3,456, whatever, you know, whatever version of the mind you're in. Right. And it, and it, uh, somebody was grown and then they had a baby and then they passed on that information. That baby rose up then another baby, then another baby, all the way to you came up and then you're bubbling. The only place where the story exists of what the world is, is for you is in your head. Nobody else has the same story. Everybody else has a completely different story where they are the hero of their journey. I mean, you think of the hero's journey. And somehow, I think what I think is really amazing, somehow your crazy story and you know, your 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 kids, your wife, your your coworkers, your whoever you come interact with, your crazy story and their crazy story somehow, I call it shadow boxing, it just lines right up. And we tell each other completely different crazy stories, but somehow the crazy stories seem they just seem to line up in our minds. I think that's God. Hmm. I think it points to God. I'm like, there's no way that my crazy story that I have, because I'm crazy up here. Oh, it's, it, it's, it don't go up there without a flashlight kind of thing. <laughs> I'm crazy up there. And so it's like, I, how did my crazy story, and I know that you're just as probably just as crazy as I am, and somehow our stories are just going to line right up, and they're going to be, oh, yeah, that's right. And, and we go, both could be just completely off. 
Yeah. Yeah, we do. You know, I, I think you just gave a really great, great description of, of trauma, how we lock in the trauma and how it's typically subconscious for most of us. We, we never go back and evaluate it. And you said we live in this story where that thing that happened to us when we were three or five or whatever, we're constantly trying to avoid that. And we're projecting it out into the world. And I, I think about this in relationships I'm in even now, you know, you go back to you're, you're talking to your, your wife and, you know, you're, you're like, you said, you're coming at like you're the three-year-old and she's like looking at you like you're a 40 year old man. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called fan mail and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says, send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast you can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll give you a prime example. Because um, people need to understand, this is other one, one of the other things. For those of your listeners that are actual shadow work practitioners, there's a common misconception that once I solve the problem, it's solved. Hmm. I have a three-year-old that's trapped in my body that is trapped in a basement, period, right? That three-year-old could come out any time, at any time. You could, you could say, da-da-da-da-da, going down the steps, and that could trigger in me that feeling. It's a feeling of compression. It starts off, it's right here in my chest. It, it feels first off like I've lost my, I can't breathe. Oh man, why can't I breathe? Why do I feel out of, my, out of breath? That little boy is pushing up against me going, shut up, Steven, shut up. You know, he's starting to feel like he's trapped. So he'll come online and he'll start putting pressure on me to just, just get small, get tiny, get small really quick. Cause you're going in the basement. And so as a shadow guy, we need to remember that those are always in front of us. My wife is, a, she's, she's, I call her the angel of death. Right. Because she's the she's a hospice nurse, right? To give you clarification, right? She's a hospice nurse and she's not a hospice nurse. She's 15 years in the industry. She's got her master's degree. She's working on her PhD. We're thinking about doing psychedelic assisted end of life care. Like she's the hospice nurse. Like she's the angel that you hope shows up when you're dying. Hmm. She's when I say angel of death, there's a reason for that. I'm not just because she's my wife. You know? yeah. No, no, no. She's the angel. Like she's an angel. Like, and, and, and so she could, she's got this, you know, we're constantly doing work, constantly doing work, constantly doing work. Well, she's had this shadow that she's been working on. She just could not get around it. And, and a couple of weeks ago, she finally got it. It was terrible. It's just mm-hmm. that easy, terrible. And, and so imagine if everything in your life were just filtered with terrible, it's like you walk into her and you go, well, how is, and as a nurse, she's addicted. She's, she become addicted to the, to be terrible because as a nurse, I got to understand what the worst case scenario is mm-hmm. so that I can keep that from happening. And so her mind had gotten programmed into what's the worst thing, what could happen, what could happen, what could happen? Well, we forget over time that we get locked in that and we just keep going out of it. Shadow work isn't about you going in and fixing it. Although you, it, it could feel like that because when you, when you come out of a, when you come out of a, tra- a point where you're suffering, it feels much like a pop. It's like, ah, everything will make sense. No wonder why I did that. No wonder why this. No wonder that. Like you get clarity. It's instant aha moment. We call them wow moments because people go, wow. And all, like, you know, all of a sudden they'll get it, right? But then you have to do the integration on the back end. You got to continually maintain it. It's not shadow work as in shadow's gone. You got to keep your shadow out in front of you. Mm-hmm. 
right? So it's it's about finding out where am I trapped. And you you said you, one other thing you mentioned was you said, well, trauma. This isn't just trauma. This is this is the way the mind works. Like right. trauma is like anybody that's listening here is like, well, I don't have any trauma. Well, no, no, no. Trauma for us, those of us that have been traumatized, those of us, and I don't know that there's a plan. I haven't run into one person that hasn't got some form of trauma. But tra- what trauma allowed me to do is it allowed me to see how my mind was coded. Yeah, that's it. This everybody's mind operates like this. It's not just the tra- us trauma us trauma folks. It's right. everybody. Us trauma folks are required. We're not given a pass. That my trauma is so great. My my lie is so great that I'm forced to continually look at that lie and go, is it true? Yeah. Because the first yeah. rule of shadow work is that we lie to ourselves first. That's the first rule. We lie to ourselves first. What you just said is, is beautiful. And I, and I want to, I want to just reemphasize that for people because you're right. I think trauma is the thing that triggers us to have to change it. It, it, it drives us to the point where we can't survive like this anymore. So we have to do something else. But we all have this, and I want to. I want to make sure we normalize. We all have the shadow stuff. We all have these lies that we tell ourselves. We all have. It's it's a normal part of being of being a human being. And I think sometimes people feel guilty or like there's something wrong with me. We all have it. Some of us just hide it better than others people do. Yeah. Well, and here's the interesting thing. So again, with my my wife, the word is terrible, right? And so it's like you get should get her you once the ego what the ego does is the ego it just expands it continually is an ex, it's an ever expanding uh let's call it a software application because that's what it really is it's mm-hmm. not real you're the, the you that you think is you is not really the you that you are it's just a small piece of you it's like the it's like the bright light in the middle of this giant dark room you're the little bright area one percent of the room that's lit up is, is what you think you are and really there's all there's there's a whole bunch more that you don't even know is going on mm-hmm. right and so that part of you, it, it thinks it knows everything. So it runs around. And what happens is when you get a little bit of those wow moments happen, it stretches that the, the, the lightness because really what we're doing here is bringing un, the, un, the consciousness to the unconscious is what we're doing. We're bringing light to the darkness. That's really all we're doing because when you and, and your, your life and really anything in your life is a direct, the quality of it is a direct reflection of the amount of consciousness that you bring to it. Most of your suffering is because of unconsciousness. Like if you go look at it, it's like, well, no, I did that consciously. Yeah, but why did you do it? Well, uh, and then all of a sudden you see this blind spot and you start shooting through this blind spot and you find out, oh, this is, oh, I did it because creepy Uncle Eddie clear back here. Yes, exactly. See, I would have never known that that, the the standard, I would have never known that that's still years and years of therapy. I hear this all the time, years and years of therapy. And I thought that I was over it. Yeah, well, here we are. And so what happens is the ego goes goes she goes oh i see what i'm doing i'm looking at everything terrible and then what happens with us folks that have been through then all of a sudden i become terrible about feeling terrible mm-hmm. now i feel terrible because i'm creating the very thing that i feel terrible about and then i catch myself feeling terrible about feeling terrible and that's what i guess what i do now i'm terrible about being terrible about being terrible and the mind just spirals i call it a shame spiral you just spy they just it's like the first the first thing i tell people is pull back and go in your mind just say isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And to go to a go to a, a go to a position of curiosity. It's one of our as a as a human. It's one of our superpowers is to get curious. You know, as monkeys, we go look at things. So the first thought when you find yourself in that shame spot, like right now, if you're listening to this and you're going, "Oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. I I'm beating myself about be- beating myself up about beating myself up." Breathe. Isn't that interesting? Instead of doing that, instead of going, "Ah, 
because most people don't have thoughts. Most people's thoughts have them. And they're caught in this train of thought and the train has left the station like a bullet train and it's headed straight to whatever worst case scenario that they create and they're living out of it over and over and over and they don't even know it. It's subconscious. It's just below the surface in there. It's like a per this. This is the personal codex. There's this album that's just playing this record playing in the background. That's the worst song you've ever listened to in your life, but you can't stop listening to it kind of thing. It's like that's what's going on and they don't even know it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe that NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. That's, that's been my, my experience too. And, and that the, the, uh, feeling terrible about being ter- feeling terrible. It's, it's like, it, and I, I was telling you, I deal with a lot of people in grief and one of the big things about people that are in grief, there, there's always seems to be some level of guilt even when there's really nothing objectively to be guilty about from an outsider, I'll look at them and say, you've got, you didn't do anything wrong, but we shame ourselves. Yep. And, and we shame ourselves first because we believe, we believe that somehow the story that we're living in, because we're all living a hero's journey, a subjective experience of, if you think of every movie that's ever been every show, every movie, every, there's only been one frame. It's called the hero's journey. Uh, Justin right. Campbell called it the mono myth, right? Well, I think that's just, if you think about it, since the beginning of time, every culture, same story. Yep. Every culture, same story. Every human, same story. Isn't that interesting? Well, there's got to be a definite, like, that's one of the first threads that like, there's, there's no way that could be an accident. Like, there's just no way. And that, because that's what we're living in our heads. We're looking for this. We've got this groove developed in us. And so as soon as something happens, we go, what did I do? What did I do? And it's got, it's got to be about me because everything we're in a, we're living in a narcissistic society. Um, Paul Levy called it the, uh, the Watiko virus. We're all living in this narcissistic environment. And I think it's all because we're all, we've all been traumatized. We're all living in grief and we're just managing. Most people don't build the, the, or the ideal life. Most people are just managing the circumstances of what been, what has been handed to them. And now their head is down. Mm-hmm. And if I'm focused on circumstances, because my brain is programmed, I'm working with this lady, she's one of the top final ad- financial advisors in our country. And, um, she's working, 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 and she's exiting the business. And as she, as a, as a business owner exits, it's a different type of business. Having worked with Tony, right. It's a different type of business when you're exiting and, and this trauma point, it keeps us, you know, it keeps us focused on we're managing circumstances, managing circumstances. If I don't look up and look down and look at the horizon, now I'm in suffering. And now I take that and I bleed that into the, to the, to the, my personal life as well. And she, what she's done, is she's just become uh, enamored by looking right at the problem. Well, if I look at the problem and I step over the problem because my programming, it, what am I, what am I going to do next? What's the next thing I focus on? What do I need to be looking for? If I'm problem focused, what am I going to look for? Problems. Hmm. Right. And, and you get what you focus on. So be, 
because I'm focused on product and go into it like this is yeah cute haha but actually go into your life into the subjective experience of your life and go that's exactly what I do I go okay now what's the next problem and now what you're doing is is just jumping from problem to problem and your experience is there's nothing but problems because that's all you're looking for so yeah. consciousness bleeds right inside that smaller container and now you feel like you're stifled you feel like you're stuck that's because you're not building the ideal. You're not building what you want. It's two different parts of the brains that come online when I'm managing circumstances versus building the ideal. Yes, I love that, what you just said. about And, and we are, and this goes back to that, to that prehistoric brain. We are built to look for problems. That's mm-hmm. when we were in the jungle, you needed to see if a tiger was coming. You're not, you're not looking at the flowers. And we still do that. And, and you can convince yourself that nothing is right in your life. And I've seen people that have, that have done this. I'll convince myself of it. And then, and then, and then talk myself. I'm a, I do this for a living. Like I've been doing this for 22 years. And for me, it was life and death. You're locked in a basement. You have to figure it out kind of thing. Like for me, it was a must to figure out what was going on and I still get stuck in it. So people need to understand that the root word for human being in Arabic is to forget. Hmm. We, we forget, we forget what we're doing. We forget. I can remember I remember I work with this medicine called ayahuasca. It's mm-hmm. it's the strongest psychedelic on the planet. It's uh, DMT, and I you know I, again I've worked with Tony. I work with geniuses throughout the world. You get to Tony Robbins, you know, who is arguably uh, of our time one of the best in this field. Arguably, maybe one of the best ever in this field, mm-hmm. right? So I'm working next to him. I built his business match, and I've reached the end. Of, now what? Now what? Here I am, still trapped in this basement i'm i'm getting i mean i found ways to get out of it but i still find myself tripping into it still haven't figured out still haven't figured out quite what i haven't got my hand um on it yet so like a monkey have you ever seen how they trap monkeys in india no i haven't yeah so in in india i got the video you can go out to my youtube page and check it out but it, it, it the, in india what they do is they take they used to take this gorge and they would hollow it out and they would put a little hole in it like enough to fit your hand in it and what they would do is they would put fruit in it and they walk into a field monkeys be watching them do this and they just walk up and they tie this gourd to a tree and then they walk off and they don't even leave they just kind of sit off a ways a little ways and they wait monkeys being what monkeys do and that's what we are right we're just hairless monkeys they'll walk up and they'll put their hand in the gourd and then they'll grab the fruit and they'll go to pull it out and because they made a fist their hand doesn't fit it, it won't pull out anymore Mm-hmm. Well, the monkey doesn't know that because the monkey can't see that his hand is what's catching. He thinks, as far as he knows, his hand is still the same size. The monkey doesn't have the mental. We're kind of like that monkey. We go in and we gra- we grabbed onto something and now we're caught. And you can see they'll, they'll come up, they'll go to, he'll be gnawing on, on, biting on his arm, trying to get, you know, he'll eat his arm off. He knew he'd get out mm-hmm. and they'll just walk up, grab the monkey, tie it up, put him down. And they'll set that monkey, I get the video, set it right down two or three of the monkeys that just got caught doing exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. right that's how that's and we are that's what we are so what we do is we catch on i got somewhere down there i caught on to this three-year-old trapped in a basement in my exist inside my consciousness inside my mind but if you miss by an inch miss by a mile i knew it was there everybody told me it was there but i didn't know i didn't know no right right, right. so so i'm on my um i remember my I'm, my journey with mother i remember going down i remember coming up and it was like my second ceremony. And I remember come, waking up. It's like waking up from a dream that you're not having, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Like imagine right now if you woke up, just like how would it be if you woke up if you weren't sleeping? That's what it felt like. And now I'm, right. I'm no longer standing in this grove. I'm standing, I'm sitting next to this female 
entity. We call her, if you've ever, if you've ever had the opportunity to meet that, we call her mother AF. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one to see this lady. Right. And so I looked over in her, I'm like, it's, it's all a story. She's like, yeah, it's all, it's all story. And she's kind of smiling like, yeah, yes. Surprise. Yeah. You know? And I remember going back, going back to sleep. I'm using air quotes here, going back to sleep. Cause I really, what was happening was then I woke up again and I was in the grove. I was in this grove as daytime ceremony. I looked up and, and I saw all these little triangles, little eyeballs, and it was really weird. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I closed my eyes again. And now all of a sudden I woke up, quote unquote, woke up again. Now I'm standing there next to Mother Aya again. And I'm like, well, if this is all a story, why don't we, why do we forget? Why do we forget that we're telling? And she started laughing at me. She thought it was funny. And at that time I didn't like, why is this, why am I having a vision of some lady laughing at me? Mm-hmm. Because I'm asking her a question that I don't know the answer to. And it took me. 18 ceremonies deep to realize that in my humble opinion, again, this is just my, my the story that I'm living out of in my head. And again, my story and your story never line up, right? The story that I'm living out of my head is the reason why we forget is because that's what we were put here to do. Mm-hmm. We made the agreement to come here and forget what we're here to do. And so the root word for human being is to forget. And so I've got my hand on this, on this thing that says I'm trapped, but I, but I've forgotten that it's back there. But there it is pulling me, holding me down to this feeling. And I have to do that because the, 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 the strongest force in our human condition is our identity. Like as humans, we will do anything to stay consistent and persistent with how we identify ourselves, Hmm. both good and bad. Mm -hmm. And so if I've got this feeling of being trapped, I load that down into my psyche and say, okay, this is who I am. This is my existence. This is where I am. Like when you're, you boot the software that is the the mind on online, the first thing you go is, okay, where, who am I? Who am I is where am I at on the map? So when you go to like um, the mall, you've never been to, if you, a lot of us don't go to malls anymore, right? But if you mm-hmm. go to a mall that you remember looking at the map and there was always, mm-hmm. there was always, we needed to know three things, right? First, I needed to know where I was, right. you are here. That's the identity. This is, I am, here's where I am. And now that I know where I'm at, I need to know where I'm going. There's mm-hmm. Radio Shack. <laughs> For those of us that remember Radio Shack, right? There's Radio Shack. If I'm here and Radio Shack is there, now I can navigate a course to get where I'm going, right? Without that, I am here. Doesn't matter if I know where Radio Shack is or not. There's no way for me to create a strategy to get from where I am to where I'm going. This is just basic level stuff, right? Without a zero, you can't get to one because you don't know where you're at, Right. right? So then I'm trapped in a basement is my, is it's, it's the way I make meaning of my world. It's the way all of my decisions, all of my strategies, all of my information flows out of this basement that is trapped. Now, if I get too far away from feeling trapped, now I'm out in the ocean and I can't see the coast Mm. and I don't know what's where, I don't know which way to turn. I call it dark night of soul to D knots, right? Mm. I don't know whether to go left, right, straight forward. I don't know. This is how you get sucked into a hurricane. So the mind doesn't do that. What the mind does is it stays up against the coast of the basement. So I, there are times that I go, okay, well, do you feel trapped? No, you, you're not trapped. Okay, everything is good. But notice that even in that feeling of everything being good, I'm still holding it up against that feeling of being trapped in the basement. Hmm. It's, it's only going to be, it's, it's either going to be you're good or you're not. It's either good or keep doing this till you are good. Everything is based upon that crappy feeling. Yeah. Right. The problem isn't necessarily whether you do this, it's how do you do this? And unraveling that. And in business, it's a big deal. Like you can't, like again, Sandeep is a great example of that. 
you'll you'll recreate your life inside your business. But the other piece is that the the velocity of change has, has sped up so great that what just for humans, what's happened to us in a hundred years is now happening in ten. Yeah. Like stuff is speeding up. What happened in ten years is happening in one. It's like new problem, new problem, new problem, right? Like we can't continue to operate out of the same software that we've we've been operating out of because that it didn't work back there. It's seventy five thousand years. Like we've only been society for six thousand three point five million years of programming. This this programming, I think, my judgment is this programming that we have right now is the reason why we're suffering. We're going through this major shift in regards to our software. We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, www.grief, the number two, growth.com, or text GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, to 31996. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to grief to growth. Yeah, that's an that's an excellent point um, because we do have these brains that were that were developed for a different world. We're living in a completely different environment with this this brain that's developed for for fear and for survival and to look for the worst and and it's and it's making a lot of us miserable. I think it's why we feel the, the disconnect and the the lack of meaning in life. I love what you said earlier. Like it's like we're programmed for for survival, but we seek meaning. That's that's what people want. We want meaning. Yep. We, we, that's the thing. I think, I think the mind is originally designed for meaning. Mm-hmm. So we come online, we go, what does all this mean? What mm-hmm. does this mean? But then the deep that, that it's been hijacked for survival again, over and over and over again, it's like, yeah. well, you can't get past this. So then the mind goes, okay, well then we need to survive first. And then the third piece that becomes what I call bios level programming mm. would be efficiency, right? Cause yes. I, cause yeah. the mind only has right now, your mind takes about 20 to 25% of the caloric intake that you have goes to just processing thought mm-hmm. right at some level just to get the mind the the organ the organ that is the brain to operate um, you're talking 20 percent of your caloric intake 20 percent of the food you eat every day goes to how much you think that's the most energy intensive organ in the body mm-hmm. it's more than any other organ in the body and so to compensate for that to get more thought the mind's created what's called the default mode network the dmn and what the dmn does is it says Okay, if this is the path to get there, it wants to go to overdrive. It's kind of like a zip file. I go, okay, I take the zip file and I go, okay, trapped in the basement. We'll just use my trauma point for an example. We go, okay, trapped in a basement. This is what that looks like. This is all the, this is all that, this is who you are in that. These are the words that you'll use, the way, the plot that you'll make out of that. Here's the deep coding meaning that you've got. Here's all the, the blueprints around how the world operates in that situation, that scenario. Here's all the emotions and energy that comes along Here's what you can do, can't do. Here's all your decision-making options you got. And here's what kind of rituals do you have around that? That loads into what's called the default mode network. Mm. And then I'm walking along and, and, and all of a sudden something triggers me as far as the uh, triggers me means that the song that's playing the radio station that's playing in the background, right? What I find is when people are triggered and they go, now I'm triggered, 
right? I go, go into that trigger and we go into the trigger. I go, is it, is it, is it that you're just now feeling this or is it that you've already were feeling it? It's just that now you can't tune it out, right? Like the radio, the, the refrigerator in the, in the kitchen, you ever had a refrigerator in your kitchen that was humming? Mm-hmm. What happens after it, it hums a certain length of time? You don't hear it anymore. You tune it out, right? right? So there's this tune out that happens, but then all of a sudden somebody comes in and says refrigerator and you go, oh, and now you can hear the humming. Like it's all of a sudden, now you can't hear it all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden it just came on. Like, right, right, right. That's what happens. And so this default mode network says something around the trauma and all of that file, that entire file comes forward and from my default mode network and gets loaded into my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And now I am metaphorically inside that basement, but I don't know it. Right. Right. And the, and the default, it's kind of like, have you ever driven, you've been driving somewhere and you've driven there thousands of times and then you wake up and you're in your, you're just there. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You don't know how you got there. Yeah. yeah. That's because your default mode network. Thank you. Thank you. Mind. Right. For doing what you need to do. If, if, if that didn't happen, if we didn't have a default mode network, you'd get hit by a bus. Right. Every time you walked out, it, it's only a matter of time before he dies because your mind can't process that much information. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're sitting in a room full of crowded people, or like if say you're walking along the street in New York and, and somebody you know comes in the crowd, it takes like the, the a com, a computer program. It's like, a, it's like a thousand points that have to be taken into consideration for you to take that moving piece and, and process it and go, oh, that's Steven. Yeah. Like that's like a thousand points. Like that's massive computation. We're talking quantum level. You know, your, your mind is unbelievably powerful, but that's a lot of data. So the default mode network takes anything that's automated and it zips it up so that you don't have to deal with it so that you can have this higher functioning thought. The problem is, is you're standing on top of all that. You don't know it. Nobody's taught you to look through the looking glass, right? So you have this, this, this glass case that's around you. That's got all these patterns that have been etched in the glassing of what the world is. The problem is, is most people, there's only two types of thoughts. You have the thoughts that you think. And then you have the thoughts that you're hearing yourself think. In other words, they're echoes of thoughts that have already been thought, mm. right? Yeah. Most people aren't listening. Most people aren't having new thoughts. What most people are doing is they're listening to thoughts that have already been thunk. I guess would be the past tense word of think, right? Yeah. So, so the past has, they, they, they've already thunk those thoughts. And because they've already thunk those thoughts and developed a pattern and meaning to it, that's etching on the glass. Well, over time, what happens is you start living out of that etching thinking that not completely unaware of the fact that you're living out of your etching and then that's projecting the shadow onto the world. And you're thinking that it's the outside world, but it's not, it's the etching in your glass. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do what we do in shadow work is we go, okay, you see that? Yep. That's you. Oh, and now you, we call it owning your shadow. Now you can own it. That is me. Exactly. Now own it. And now that I own it, now I can see it. Now I don't have to step in it. I don't have, have to live out of it. Yeah. And I don't have to suffer out of it. Right. It, and I think that the world needs to do more and more of this. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to, I want to interject here because the word shadow work sounds dark, <laughs> sounds, sounds scary. sounds like something I don't want to do. Um, so I can, people, I think, turn away from doing the shadow work, but what, what we need to help people understand is, you're miserable now. You, 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 you think you're avoiding it. I was just having this conversation with somebody Saturday. So we were 
you know, I, I do two past two years now that I've been doing psychedelic integration work with shadow work and mm-hmm. just working with somebody that was just taught, like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, but isn't it like, okay, well check your body though. Isn't it true that you're already going through it? I am. I am already going. All you're doing now is facing it. That's it. All you're doing now is looking at it and owning what you're already, I, but I don't want to do that. Isn't that interesting? You're yeah. still spending all this energy under underground. They're expending more energy to maintain whatever it is. Yes. Right. And they're spending more energy maintaining it than they are just dealing with it and then moving it over. And then also the other piece is so um, working with somebody this Saturday and and uh, he he had something happen to him was young where he was told not to have any any intimate relations. So there's this part of him that's just terrified to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. So now he can't figure out why he can't be in a relationship. We're now in a, he's now an adult. He's, he's, he's exiting a, a relationship and it's like, it's the same exit that he's mm-hmm. been taking his mm-hmm. entire life. He's like, I, I can't figure out why I keep getting the same exit. Well, it, it, he was building it up and he didn't even know it. Right. Same guy. Was like, I don't want to, I don't want to look at that, but isn't it true that you're suffering now? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, how are you suffering now? Well, I always get this feeling like, da, 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 da. okay, so you're feeling as though you need to be quiet. You need to be separate. Yep. And how much of that energy, how much do you have to fight against that? Oh, what percentage of your mental power? Oh, 10%. Okay. Yeah, and then right. this, it was like 30, 30% of his energy was spent working his way out of the lie that he knew. No, you are good enough. No, you like leaning against the, the lie that I'm not good enough. It took 30% of his energy just to work his way out of the hole. Mm-hmm. So there's 30% of his mental capacity that he doesn't have. And then the gold that he had down in there, the reason why he had learned to be not in intimate relationships, because he, he felt so hard. He, he, he loved so deeply that he felt he needed to stay safe because he didn't want to hurt again. Mm-hmm. So now we have this beautiful heart, this deep, almost genius level ability to connect with people. But he's got this shadow that says, if you do that, you're going to hurt. So then he's separate from that. So not only is he losing 30% of his mental capacity, he's really missing his genius, which is the ability to connect. People will come in and they'll say, well, shadow is dark. And I think, honestly, Brian, I think that it's, 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 it's very interesting to me when people, I had, I got a client who said, I thought it was, I thought it was devil, devil worshiping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are you talking about? He's like, well, when you first mentioned shadow work, I almost didn't sign up because it was like, I, I'm not doing any devil worshiping stuff, but I knew that you'd work for Tony and, 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 and I had this interaction with you and I watched these videos. He said, that's, so that's the only reason I signed up for your, your course. Right. But now I know because it's, 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 it, you get this natural, like when you're thinking of shadow work, think of the aversion, right? What if that aversion weren't about shadow work? What if there was some part of you that was unconsciously saying, Oh no, don't look there. Like part of you came online as soon as you heard shadow work. There's a part of you that came online and said, "Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. you don't want to go there, right?" Because the conscious mind does not want to go there. It wants the first rule of shadow work is that we lie to ourselves first. You're uh, lying is, to yourself. Th- those those shadow elements of ourselves tell us, "I'm the one keeping you safe. I'm what's keeping you safe. This is this is your coping mechanism." So when people hear this, they're like, "You're trying to take that away from me." Exactly, You're exactly. In take- addicts, you see the same thing with addiction. I'll be working with somebody in addiction and they'll go, I'll I'll go, I need you to quit that. Well, we'll, this is how I'm managing my trauma of being abused when I was three years old. You want me to get rid of my 
the tool that I use that keeps me out of the basement, and again, like this, mm-hmm. their, their metaphorical basement, right? You want me to stop doing this for that? Oh, no. They're not even willing. It, it, that's why harm reduction is the thing, because you can't just take away somebody's they're going to have to have some kind of coping mechanism to deal with whatever the thing is that the, the addiction is typically a symptom of a deeper rooted problem. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm doing therapy at no point do what would I do it to be clear. I don't have any answers. Like it sounds like I got a lot of answers, but the reality is, is I don't, I've got a, I've got what I'm really, really like a genius at is questions. Mm-hmm. I get really, really curious, really, really quick. And, and I want to get you to the point to where you go, ah, oh, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if I have an answer, even if I know the answer, if I give you the answer, well, if you've got a neuron that's firing, looking for the answer, it's like reaching for an answer. And then the answer is on the other side somewhere. And I jump you from one neuron to the other. You don't make the connection yourself. Now, when you're in the situation, you're not going to get there because you're going to need me to tell you what to do. So you can get, even though you know how to get there, I am in your strategy making process. You have to come through me now to get to your answer. And now I've hobbled you. Yeah. And most people, most people are hobbled before they even know they can walk. And so a good shadow guy doesn't have any answers, but yes, shadow is the part of you that you hide, repress and deny. It's not, that is not the dark aspects of you. Matter of fact, uh, Marianne Williams said, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. Yeah. You're afraid of just how powerful you are. You just don't know it. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, I want to talk about, um, you mentioned ayahuasca and you talked about mother ayahuasca. And I, I, it's, to me, it's fascinating how psychedelics um, seem to have the ability to help people to heal. And it was funny. I was just a few weeks ago, I saw an interview with uh, Will Smith with um, uh, David Letterman. Interview. And he was talking about ayahuasca. And you know, there's, just, there's just this perception that, oh, I can't do drugs because those are those are bad for you. But talk about psychedelics and talk about why you think that helps us to unlock some of this stuff. Yeah. And I'm a, and understand that I'm a, and I spent a long time in a 12 step program. I was Alatot, Alatine, Alanat, NAAA, like you name it. If there was an A behind it, I probably joined it. Like, you know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. looking, because again, I was looking for the answer. Why am I, why do I keep going to this unconscious suffering? Just keep creating the same suffering, same right. suffering over and over. Right. And so the 12 step programs are really, they're, they're a transformational tool, but even the 12-step program, AA itself was created by a gentleman by the name of Bill W. Bill W., when he first started AA, he did what was called the Belladonna Cure. The Belladonna Cure was a psychedelic experience hmm. where they would put you through, and he had this epiphany, and that epiphany then, he then took uh, the, the uh, uh, Oxford group and a couple other groups who put them together, created the, the, the Alcoholics Anonymous, that we, the program that we now know. Um, it wasn't meant to be a program that you kept coming to, but then he, he then was still suffered from severe depression, never did. And he ended up going and taking some LSD and that, and that, and he, he, at that point wanted to add psychedelics to the AA program because he, he was, he was certain that that was going to be, but the old timers like, dude, like, shut up, man. You're going to, you don't tell an alcoholic to take a, to take a, to take a chemical to stop taking chemicals. That doesn't make any sense. Right. We need to understand the difference between drugs and medicine, right? Uh, right. That's the difference. I, you'll never see, in my humble opinion, you'll never see, they'll never, I don't care how far down in the future you go. I don't care how embedded it becomes into our culture. There's never going to be a time where you go to a frat party and you see a kegger of ayahuasca right. laying there. Like people don't go there just to drink the tea. You know what I'm saying? It is right. painful. You don't go into that. Do not go into that blindly. 
Like you need an integration coach. You need somebody there sitting with you. You're going to want integration on the background. The Western mind is not the amount of lies that we've been taught unconsciously processed are, are, are amazing. Right. And I don't want to go too woo on us. Right. But what I found is psychedelics are a, uh, a non-specific um, focus enhancer. Right. So whether I'm working with businesses that want to innovate or whether I'm working with somebody like me that's dealing with deep rooted trauma or whether I'm dealing with a, uh, a spiritual somebody looking to be more spiritually enlightened. What I what what ayahuasca, I work specifically with plant medicine because I have my own reasons for that. But what, uh, psychedelics, what they do is they they're a nonspecific uh, focus enhancer. So when you you set your intention, uh, I want to help me understand, help me heal, help me do what happens is the medicine comes online and it, wherever your focus goes, your energy flows. This is like this, not just with psychedelics, just in general, wherever your focus goes, your energy flows. Mm -hmm. But when you bring in your focus and you add, you add the medicine, the medicine tends to be a, a, a focus enhancer. You go from being able to focus on it times two to focus on it times 2000. And all of a sudden, all your mm -hmm. entire brain lights up and you can make connections in your mind that you could have never made. Because you you have these deep rooted patterns of the way if I, again if I told you to look around the room and find red you you wouldn't you wouldn't get blue mm. but if I told you right now to look around the room again and let's try this again look around the room and find the color red I said close your eyes and I go oh, how much stuff did you see now that was blue oh I saw a couple things yes because your mind said oh there's also this other thing that may come into play and so now your mind is noticing more of it's noticing the red and the blue and it might not be causing the pink so much right. That's psych that right there is adding psychedelics, but times 2000 because mm -hmm. now you're coming in and your mind and the mind is going now look all around you. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know any of this stuff was here. Yeah, right. Psychedelics yeah. breaks us out of our, 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 our rote programming or helps us break out of this rote programming that we've been dealing with and focuses us inward and goes, okay, how did you get there? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny when you were talking, you said you, you just briefly said, I don't want to go too woo, too woo woo on this. And I, I do, because this is, this is what I do. I, I, yeah. I, my spiritualized deep part of what I do when I work with people. And I believe one of the issues we have in the world is we have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten. We do this incredible, powerful being. We've forgotten while we're here. And I could see mother ayahuasca, like laughing at you, like, uh, yeah, you, you signed up for this. Exactly. It's like you're the 18th ceremony. It was like, I, I got it. It was like, the reason why was because you asked, this was your idea. Like, this wasn't my idea. I'm just here helping you. This was all you. And every teacher that I've ever come to always points me back to that. Mm -hmm. This is your, this is you, this is you, any teacher worth their salt, any teacher that and, and go in and check yourself and see if it's true. Any teacher that's ever been worth anything for you, that's ever helped you grow at all has always pointed you back into yourself. Mm -hmm. So we do this process uh, called shadow ceremony. It's the shadow practitioner level one is what it is. And it's a, it, what we do is we, we go through the cave to touch your shadow. What is the part of you you hide, repress, and deny? But we're not going into the shadow just to go. We're not going into the mind just to get to the mind. We're shooting past the shadow to get to what I call your well. Right? You're, there's, a, there's a part of you that stuff doesn't come, like, like all the things that you have, the genius that is Brian, it hasn't come to you. It's not like something out here came to you and now you have this gift. That's not how things have come. They haven't come from you. Brian is the genius. No, if you go and look at the genius, like the real genius stuff in you didn't come from you, didn't come to you. It came through you. 
And what we want to do is we want to connect to that well. And what that does is that redefines, we talked about the axis mundi, we were offline, the center of balance, your center of the universe. Most people are taking, there's a book out called, uh, it's an audio called The Erotic and the Holy by Mark Gaffney. And he, and he says, are you giving? Are you taking? Are you open to receive? And whenever I, whenever I go to a situation and I'm take, I go into the place where you're suffering, I don't care what it is, just go into the place where you're suffering right now and think about that place and go, okay, in that moment, am I giving or am I taking? And if you're suffering, 90% of the time you're taking. And if you're, and if you're not, that other 10% will be, well, are you open to receive? I'm not open to receive. Okay, well, then that's why you're not feeling this moment. You're not open to receiving because you're, you're in a condensed, I call it a condensed state. That's why you're suffering. You're never going to be able to receive because you're trying to take. As soon as I go to giving, then my natural react, my body then goes, it, it, it knows because at the core level, it knows that that's the only way to receive. I know by giving, then I become open to receive. So this is about shifting that. And when I say that, it's, again, we talk about the woo. I come from Tony Robbins, very strategic. If you do this, that will happen, right? Mm. And I kind of traveled down in, started dealing with these plant medicine people. And it's like, they came from the woo and they're coming this way. It's like, we, we, we kind of cross, you probably run, run into this, right? You kind of cross paths with them. Yeah. So I've been very conscious to try to not get so far into the woo that people that are in the, still in the strategic end of life, still in the, you know, uh, yeah. the, the construct, I want to be able to plug, make sure that the two plug, I want, I try as hard as I can to stay right at that. Perfectly, perfectly understand what you're saying. And I'm actually taking a program right now, a coaching program that's very similar with the, what you're doing with the shadow work and understanding our shadow. We call them saboteurs, all these things that are they're part of our minds that, that tell us the lies. And then the sage is like the true part of us. And it's funny because as I've, I'm, I'm like, I uh, said, so I did a six week thing with them and now I'm 12 weeks into the coaching aspect. I'm, I'm learning how to coach it. And I keep looking at this guy and I'm like, this is also deeply spiritual. This is, this is Buddhism. You know, this is Hinduism, but he's framing it in a scientific way because the Western mind doesn't want to accept the woo. And when I hear people talk about like mother ayahuasca, and it was really interesting because I was interviewing a lady who did psychedelics and I don't think it was ayahuasca, but it was somewhere in Brazil. She'd done this thing. And she looks up on the mountain, she sees these beings, you know, going up and down the mountains. Well, you think, okay, well, that's right, because you're having a, a subjective experience and you're seeing these in your head. And the guy goes, oh, no, everybody sees them. And I find that fascinating that, you know, there's, there's something objective about this, I believe. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'll go in and I'll, every Saturday morning I'm going in and I'm working. Like I, I, I commit a certain length of time studying this stuff, right? Because it's like this stuff really works. Like it, it got me there, right? And it's like over and over. It's like, I'm not going to tell you. And then on the back end, they all and, and they all everybody's saying the same thing. They might not see the same thing, but right. whatever they're seeing point seems to be pointing to the same right. might be a different definition. I they, they were they were like this. And, that, and over here, they're like, no, they were like that. But there was still something there. Like something was there. Obviously, if we're all seeing the same thing, there must be something like this there. Right. And yes, there are certain patterns that the gentleman that you're learning from, I I developed, I took 20 years, I developed this framework called, I call it the personal codex. You're talking about saboteur, that's your identity. Mm -hmm. A saboteur cannot have a plot, a narrative. They can't have chattering, like right now, just in your mind, say hello. Like some dude up there just said hello, right? You've got a narrative right now. That guy's always talking, right? Mm -hmm. And what he does is he tells himself a plot and then he goes, what does that mean? And then creates a story. This is what happened. Right. Once that happens, then it gels down into the blueprint this is what the world is. That blueprint then gets loaded. And then I have an emotion over it that loads into my decision-making process, my strategies, 
and then my behaviors and my actions. And then this goes underwater and then we act out of it. Right. Right. These are yeah. there. This is you go into just anybody, any, any, again, any training worth its weight. We start to see these similarities. We start to see these, like, yes, we identity. You're talking about the seven core archetypes you're talking about. Like, and, and I never taken this, whatever training you're talking about, never took it, but here right. it is. Right. We all have this common belief. We might call it identity. We might call it this, we might call it spiral dynamics sits at the identity level. Disc mm-hmm. management sits at the identity level. Uh, 16 levels of consciousness sits at the identity level. Like this, obviously this is, we're all agreeing that this is a thing. Let's have a conversation about that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. interesting, but if you go too far out there into the woo, then those people that have shadows that their mind doesn't want them to deal with that, then right. that's the excuse that they give themselves. Yes. Yes. Right. To not mm-hmm. lean into it. So I got to be, we got people like us, like, am I going to go so far out there that the people that could get help from me aren't going to reach out because they're going to use the excuse that I'm too woo. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I perfectly understand. And I understand, you know, it depends on who your audience is. And, and like I said, that for me, I come from a religious background, so I come from fundamental Christianity. So I look at this stuff and I'm, and I, I, I come from a spiritual belief and I believe that we came here as beings to have this experience, like, like mother ayahuasca told you. Um, And I think that's, for me, that's really important to always keep in mind because, okay. So the story, my daughter passing away. You know, I can tell myself a story that I'm just a biological robot here by accident, and that's it. And so when we die, we die, lights out, nothing, nothing more. That's the story I can tell myself, which means my daughter's death is a great tragedy because I'll never see her again. Or I can tell myself that we're spiritual beings who are having a temporary experience and that she's still with me. And this is why her picture is behind me right now. And that I will see her again. And there's evidence for both of those stories, right? There's you can choose which one you want to believe. The latter one helps me a lot, and I believe. And there's a lot of evidence for it as well. It's not just it's not just I'm telling myself the story. So when I work with, with my clients, I'm like, you don't have to believe this, but just just try it on, just see if it works for you. Yep. And you know, here's the reality: at the end of the road, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Yeah. Everybody on this call is going to die. No, like Brian, nobody's going to remember your name. The country's going to fall. This, uh, the, the, the sun is going to explode. The planet's going to die. Other planets are going to be formed. New civilizations are going to come up that don't even know that Earth was a thing. At the end of the road, nothing that you do here matters. And I tell that somebody, it's like, oh, man, that's, really a, that's a really terrible way to look at life. I'm like, well, why? That's the truth. Well, then why would we live? Okay, well, just for a second in time, Feel the air on your skin. Yeah. Feel the temperature, like feel your butt in the chair. If you're driving down the road, notice that you're driving, like be where you are now. Are you in a house? How many people are in that house with you? Like just really allow yourself for a brief period of time, be here now, and then allow the story of what happened, daughter, all that slip away, let allow tomorrow what you need to get done, all that stuff slip away and just allow yourself for just a moment to be here now. Feel that right there. What are you feeling? That's all that's important. Yeah. ever at the end of the day how do i feel how do i make others feel how do i do i bring light into the am i am i living out of love or am i living out of fear i yeah. call it a d night dark night most people that especially because of your what you the the content that you offer is so profound for somebody that's in a what i call a d not a dark night of the soul it's like am i coming ask yourself when you're in that fear and where you're ruminating am i coming from fear right now is it something i'm afraid of something and then in your mind just say well what would love say yeah and listen what was that answer and you'll find that it's soft to 
typically love does it like fear comes in what fear does is fear busts through the door and says you need to run like run like that right it's loud it takes up space it, it demands that you get everything else out of the way love doesn't do that it kind of walks in and it's all soft and it's like just let everything be and it's so simple and it's so matter of fact that our mind goes that's there's no way that that's the answer but right. part of you knows that's the truth. And it's hard for us as humans to break out of the mind and into the truth. And so we look at that and we go, uh-uh, that's too scary. That's too dark. I'm not doing that shadow work. That's devil work. Shit, stay away from it. And we go, oh, I trust that. That sounds right. And we continue to manage the circumstance because we don't want to deal. Better to deal with the demon that you know. Than yeah. to raise the demon that you what if I let go of this and there's something, what if I let go of this, this, this meaning that I made about my daughter dying? If I let go of this to reach for something greater, I don't know that I can take another pain that's greater than this. Yeah. I'd rather manage this fear than and the, the pain, the suffering that comes along. And I can't imagine so that we're clear. I can't imagine. I would, it would I, I think that that would crush me. I really do. Like, I know, I know that would crush for a brief period of time. I know there'd be no doubt. I don't know that I would recover from it. That's my fear. Mm -hmm. Right. right? So better to deal with that demon. We're managing, managing that. There's no way that I would be able to deal with a bigger demon. Like in your, in your reality, again, in the subjective experience of it, there's some part of you that goes, Oh yeah, that's true. That's probably the most painful thing that you've ever had to go through. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine anything even close to that. And so it's like, why would I ever risk giving up whatever meaning? And you've had to work through that part of you and you go into your subjective experience and you can go, yes, 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 yes. Right. It's like that piece right there has been the piece for you. That's the healing piece Yeah, is letting go of that. Yeah. Right? And that's, you know, it's funny because so many times you, as you were talking, you were using the word letting go. And that's, that's the hard part for us. And it goes back to your monkey thing. We can't let go of things. That's what, that's what keeps people stuck in religion. That's what keeps people stuck in a materialistic mindset. It's just keep us stuck in everything because we're like, okay, well, this is, this is working for me, you know, and I've seen people, I, I post a lot of near death experiences on my, on my channel. And you talked about ayahuasca. And I think there's a lot of similarities between those, but the Christians will come to me and say, this can't be true. It's not in the Bible. It can't be true. They're just so scared to even consider. Well, they're not looking deep enough. First off, they're not looking deep enough. Cause as a Christian, the, it's all there. It's oh, yeah, all it there. <laughs> it's, it, it's all there. You're just looking at it in the way that your mind is telling you to look at it. You're not looking at it in a way that it's two millimeter, typically a two millimeter shift, right? Because mm -hmm. you, 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 you mentioned, you, you said the, the letting go, that's a core level. It's, it's, if you go into the Bible, you'll find it. It's, it's deep level mother Aya and all her, all of my work with her. That's the answer. Letting go and love, letting go and love. It's always an opening up any area where you're suffering, something you're not opening up, something you're not letting in, something you're not accepting something you're not letting go of something you're not there's some compression there's some holding down there's some pinching that's happening in your life and that's what's causing your suffering yeah yeah and you're right it, it is there in the bible it's right it's it's all jesus talked about loving and letting go just, just and yet and yet we re get wrapped up into the and, and and whatever we get wrapped up in it's like that's not what he was saying like the, you know that's not what he was saying well it was not what he's saying over here but over in this area here that it's gonna be hard to actually implement it that's not really what he meant no he meant it, especially when it was hard. And typically where it's hard is this area here where my suffering sits, because if I let go of that, I'm going to have to trust. I'm going to have to have faith, real faith. Real People faith, tell yeah. me I'm a Christian. I go, well, do you believe in God? Yes. Well, then why do you keep acting like you don't believe in God? And the problem, I think, Brian, is because our society 
it, it, as a societal level, I don't again, I don't get is is sick. It's not Big Brother. I don't want to go into that. We are programmed to disconnect. We are programmed for our access moody. Like the 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 space that they put between commercials is called filler. The television show itself is called filler. They're just going from space to pace. And for me to make you a consumer, you have to want something. You have to feel like you need something. You have to feel as though your Axis Mundi is out there, not in your chest where it belongs. If I get this car, I'll be good enough. If I have this drink, I'll feel better. If I do this, I have to feel as though I'm not something for me to feel like I need something. And then I'm taking, I'm reaching for something. And as soon as you see yourself reaching for something, well, that's suffering. What is it? that about and so we've been programmed as a society to run left and our religion and our beliefs and everything in the core level that we know is say go right yeah and so we need to be able to disconnect from that long enough for all of us to wake up so we can okay can we change some of this can we change the channel here and everybody goes yep let's change the channel and then we can all change it together it's not the guy the guy the the republicans shouting at the democrats isn't going to fix anything the the democrats shouting at the republicans isn't going to fix anything. That's just more of the same. Mm-hmm. It's you projecting your demon on somebody else. They're trying to eat me. No, they're trying to eat me. No, they're trying to eat me. And that's the projection that, again, I go down and I see it every time. I can't not see it now. It's yeah. the projection that you've been taught. COVID's chasing us, and now we feel like we're getting eating. So we have to find – our mind has to find somebody that's trying to eat us. And so we go our spot when you learn about spiral dynamics, we go from striver driver, which is what most America's down. We go down into the blues, which is the the rules, the orders, the tribal stuff. And we go, okay, if this is my tribe, then what's the tribe trying? Oh, the Democrats are trying to eat me. Oh, the Republicans right, try, right. they're trying to that they, 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 we see racism. It's gone. It's it's all tied into this shadow yeah. that nobody wants to look at. Yeah, that's why the work you're doing is so important. I love it so much. I could talk to you all day, so, but we, we need to start to think about wrapping up. And I want to yeah. give you a chance to talk about what your offerings are, because um, yeah. I know you've got an app, and I'm fascinated. I want to hear about that, and I want to hear about your other stuff as well. Yeah, so I have a I have a, an app. If you go to your, your phone, you go to right now, it's 30 Day Mental Cleanse, MasteringChange.com is my website, MasteringChange.com. So we have an app right now that allow will allow you the ability to go. We have a 30 Day Mental Cleanse process. It's a 30-day cleanse where we wipe out at the plot level, at the second influence point of your what I call your personal codex. Mm-hmm. Go in how to grab the thread. A thread turns into a string. String turns into a rope. Rope attached to a chain. Yank the chain. Anchor will come up. Boat will leave the harbor, right? It's a 30-day process where you can go in and practice shadow work on your own. Like You don't need somebody. But if you want some support, we do, we do weekly. We have these weekly mastermind groups where you'll check in on this mental cleanse process once a week. Um, and it's phenomenal. I'm adding uh, uh, some psychedelic integration stuff. I'm adding an intro to shadow work stuff. I'm adding a relationship stuff. Like that's where to go to get everything that I'm I'm, I'm loading right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a, there's a program. If you go to shadowceremony.com, you need some deep, I'm going to need some, I need some support around this. Go to shadowceremony.com. We only do 25 people at a time. So it's a small group. But when we do it, it's we're going to go right to it. Like there's no hiding. You, you could resist. That's not why you came kind of thing. We're going to go right down into the very core of your suffering and, and you're going to pull it up and you're going to deal with it in the room over a weekend. You will touch a piece of your shadow and then we'll connect you to your core. You're going to develop a mission and develop purpose. You're going to develop insight. You're going to understand what your superpower is. Like we're going to do that over the course of three days. It's a, it's a deep dive kind of thing. Um, and then I do some one-on-one coaching as well. So masteringchange.com or you can go to shadowceremony.com. That'll all get you there. 
Awesome. Stephen, it's been really fascinating talking to you. I, I really appreciate your your energy, your your wisdom. Um, you're, you're just being so forthright about everything. Uh, so for people that sometimes people listen, they don't see it. So it's Stephen Tuick, T-W-O-H-I-G. And the website, again, is masteringchange.com, where you can find out more information and shadowceremony.com. Uh, anything you want to say as we wrap up today? No, man, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, most importantly, if you're listening here and you're suffering, just take a breath, take a breath and, and give yourself permission just in this moment to just breathe and, you know, remember who you are. Remember that you're God having a human experience right now. And, um, what if everything in your universe happened for a reason and it served you? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. You as well. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening to grief to growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grief2growth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.